well, well, well. Good morning, good people. How are you doing out there? This is 525,600 minutes in a year, 365 days in the year and 168 hours in our week. How is this day finding you? I hope that you are well blessed and in your right mind and making your way through this time. Uh, so today I have something amazing, amazing, amazing in store for all of you. This is a very, very interesting time. And I wanted to bring you uh, some good information, good people, because we need some good information. And um, I want to first thank all of you for choosing to subscribe to this podcast. And I also want to thank my sponsors so, so very much. It is uh, an extreme, extreme pleasure to be here with all of you. So this day, uh, this uh, second second day of April, or third day, I think it's the second day, <laughs> uh, here we are. I want to introduce to all of you out there uh, a gentleman whom is doing tremendous, tremendous work, and his name is Mr. Harsha Sule. Did I get that right? Yep, you got it, Harsha Sule. Ah, uh, I got it so right. <laughs> so this gentleman um, I met, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Um, our children go to school together at Farbrook here in Jersey, and he is uh, doing so much wonderful stuff for our community. Um, and I wanted him to just come on and share some information with you guys. And, you know, some of us have so many questions about things that are going on now. Um, but Harsha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So first, I want to just ask you just a couple of just, you know, basic little things here you know can you just tell the good people where you're from sure so um that's actually a longer story than you think but um, i actually was born and <laughs> raised in india originally and then moved to chicago which is where i did my undergraduate medical school and residency training and then have kind of been all around a little bit including around the world because my other interest area besides emergency medicine is global health and now I am here in Newark. I work in um, Newark at University Hospital, formerly known as UMDNJ, and as faculty at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School as well. That is amazing. And um, can you just tell the people, um, can you just share with them? I don't want to. Can you just share with them, if you don't mind, uh, just, you know, uh, your wife's name and your children's name, if that's okay? Absolutely. My wife is Kate Larson. Um, she works at Thomson Reuters, a news agency as an attorney there. And my kids are Emil, who is nine and um, is in the same class as DJ, and um, Anya, who's in first grade at Farbrook as well. Yeah, so this is pretty amazing. We got to spend some time with your beautiful children doing The Wiz of yeah. Oz. I wanted to bring you guys just a little history here. So The Wiz of Oz was, I think, a great success for all the kids. What, what Absolutely. Do you think? I think, honestly, I think between school, what it had done for their uh, ability to be on stage and what The Wiz did, they it's exhausting, but they can't wait to do more. They love the experience. <laughs> so they're still yes, every exactly. every night instead of getting to bed on time. There's usually a Wiz of Oz performance there. So. <laughs> well, that is good to hear. Um, that's what we want to do, right? We want to 
plant uh, things in them and and hopefully it catches hold and you know hopefully they dig it and that's a good yep. thing so sir um thank you so much again for being on here thank you so much for giving us a little bit of a history about you and all your major studies my hat is off to you and everyone whom is on the front lines whom are doing tremendous work for our uh, local community as well as globally um it is a tremendous tremendous honor and i'm humbled um so all of this stuff is going on and a lot of us have so many questions just about basic things that we should be doing with our families can you just give us a couple of suggestions what should we be doing during this time of of uh, quarantine and isolation so Dwayne, you're totally right i think this is an insanely challenging time because it is truly unprecedented you know even when you look back to people talk about the Spanish flu and all of these things from um, almost a century ago now. And in those times, it was nothing like this, where the world was so interconnected and then we were told to take a step back away from it and pause, essentially, which makes it very difficult. On the other hand, the advantage we have is we are so interconnected with the internet and all these things. So when I look at this, you know, there's two parts to it. One of them to me is the medical side of it, and the other is the social side of it. The medical side is somewhat unknown because we're still finding out answers to a lot of the questions that we have. But the biggest tip that I can offer people is nothing counts more than something as simple as hand washing and basic hygiene there. Because if we're really conscious about that hand washing part of it, it's not the panacea, it's not going to stop you from getting COVID-19 and all these things is 100%, but it's going to make a huge dent in there. All the other things I think are sometimes relevant, but not as much so as that one simple thing. So teaching your kids how to do it regularly, taking care of yourself, doing that regularly, especially we have to go out, do groceries, things like that. And that kind of basic hand hygiene, along with obviously not trying to touch your face and those kinds of things is very useful. The harder part of it, honestly, is sometimes the social side of it because as much as we all love our kids dearly, the reality is they love going to school, seeing their friends and other things as well. The first week home is exciting for them. Yay, we get to have time with our family. And then very soon for them, it gets challenging. And for a lot of us, our lives and work must continue, whether it's working from home or not. And I think balancing those social needs that we have and is probably the hardest part of it. And then finally, what I worry about most is the impact it's going to have on our economy and lives going forward because what I see which um, a lot of people share with the economy trends downwards there are going to be more and more people out of jobs and they're going to, there's going to be a much bigger impact in terms of unemployment poverty and with that come mental health issues as well which are very challenging because how do you sit at home with your kids and tell them that both parents or one parent whoever it is has lost their job and there's limited income coming in, and there's no foreseeable future right now. And that becomes very challenging, and I think, and I think those mental health and social effects of all of this, which are unfortunately unavoidable right now, are the ones I worry about the most sometimes. Yes, yes. Um, again, um, we're talking uh, with Mr. Harsha Sule, uh, and um, this is incredible information, and I am so grateful again to you. Um, you know, I've gone out uh, since uh, we've been quarantined. Janice and the kids have not really gone out on grocery shopping and things, and I've worn a mask and gloves and, and done all that. Um, and I feel okay. You know, I, I feel, you know, good going out. Um, so during the day, uh, of course, the kids have their um, 
their curriculum from Farbrook and then Janice has something else set up. Is it okay for um, for us to go out into the yard and you know spend some time outside and things? Is that okay? Absolutely. I think staying outside with some amount of physical distance from other people is key because when you think about this, and again, I'm not an infectious disease expert here, but my basic medical knowledge, what I take care of in the emergency department, what it tells me is that you know, if you're maintaining a reasonable distance from other people that are not in your immediate family, for example, you're going to be safe. So it's actually a good idea to get out in your yard, go for a walk even, so long as you're keeping a safe distance behind other people that might be out for walks, keeping an eye on who out there may be coughing and things like that, you're in good shape. And arguably the most responsible thing we can all do is if we start to feel any symptoms at all, whether it's chills, cough, runny nose, that's where really staying indoors and avoiding other people is really important because as much as we may feel cooped in, cooped in with all those symptoms, not exposing ourselves to others becomes one way to reduce the spread of this disease as well. Got it, got it. So um, let me just ask, so do you still have family that are in India? Um, I do. Um, I, have an ex- I have extended family from my dad's side, so several cousins and aunts and uncles. Yep. Okay, great. And are any of them feeling anything of the effects of uh, COVID-19? Um, in India, they are, there? because India has actually imposed a complete lockdown, as in there is no going out for groceries or anything, literally, for a period of almost two weeks right now. And that's having a huge impact, because as many of you know, poverty is significant in India. There's a lot of homelessness, and all of these concepts of physical distancing and all these things are just not as practical there. So I think they are feeling that impact there as well. But it varies a lot. You know, I've talked to some of my colleagues that I work with in Ghana and other countries as well, where we've done some global health work. And they talk about the fact that while the physical distancing part is a little bit easier for some of them, they worry about the healthcare system and the resources that are not available to them in many ways. While we talk about running out of ventilators, the hospital that I go to routinely in Ghana, for example, has zero ventilators at baseline. So they're worried wow. in a very different way there as well. So I think the impact is global for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely global. We talked about the mental uh, component in this. And one of the things that I'm most concerned about is the mental capacity of a lot of people that are, um, as we mm-hmm. say, poor and in poor areas of this country and around the world. And, you know, there's a lot of information going around and a lot of people just don't know what to listen to because some things are just not clear. You have a lot of conspiracy theories out there about, you know, even the 5G uh, situation and things. So can you just speak to some of that as well? You know, what can people do? What what would you think uh, people can do just to stay uh, mentally sane and healthy through all of this? So even before this whole crisis kicked in. I've always been a huge proponent of balance in life. I tend to believe in that, you know, if you have a well-balanced day, a well-balanced time in your, um, at home, it lends itself to better mental health in general. And in this situation where we're all at home, the reality is that we're not going to be able to sit with our children for 16 hours a day or 14 hours a day and be wonderfully creative and things like that. I think there are people like this, such as yourself and Janice, who are insanely creative. But even in that situation, it gets challenging to be able to do that for so long. And I think these are the times to take those steps back and say, what do I need for myself? What do the kids need? So it's okay for them to watch 
a show on TV for an hour and give you the mental respite, perhaps, that you need to be able to a get some work done, or b just to be able to sit down, listen to music, or sit in the yard just staring at a tree or whatever it is. But I think that mental space is so important because right now, even though we are at home, in some ways our days have become that much more filled in. For people who are used to working in an office or something else, you know, they may. Doodle for a little bit in a meeting. They may stare at the ceiling for ten minutes in the middle of something and lose track of time. <laughs> Guess what? Here, especially yeah. for those of us with kids, there is none of that anymore. So that I think finding ways to give yourself time to split up those activities is the number one thing I think, and not making you putting the pressure on yourself to feel like you have to produce for twelve hours nonstop. You have to give yourself that space. Got it. Okay, cool. And can you just speak just for a moment? I know, I mean, you're not an expert、sure. in this, and neither am I. But of course, the conspiracy theories are out there about this whole 5G situation. Do you know anything about that at all? I unfortunately don't, or fortunately, I suppose. I have not followed that much. And one of the ways that I've actually stayed sane during this is I actually am not on social media for the most part,、um, or in a very、okay. limited way. So. I tend to go to some of the more traditional news sources, and for me, obviously, from the line of work I'm in, medical sources, and I stay away from a lot of these things, mostly because、awesome. I don't think that there's any way to truly disprove some of those conspiracy theories out there. But I think we have to have some、mm-hmm. amount of faith at some point in the accuracy of information we're getting. Yes. Now this is the thing. See, this is why I'm so grateful to have you on. You know,、um, I too. You know, I I try to shut myself off from certain things at certain times. I feel like I have to be a little connected in certain ways with CNN and other news networks, just so I can keep the family、mm-hmm. informed. You know, a little bit.、Um, so I try not to get too too wrapped up in it. And of course, friends and family send stuff on your feed, and you know, and people. People are just uncertain. Let's just、uh-huh. say that word.、Um, again, good people.、Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. This is、um, a great conversation that we're having here today.、Um, now, this is happening via phone, so I'm hoping that the sound quality is good. If it's not good, good people, please forgive us. But we are trying all this out, and Anchor Radio is also、uh, really trying this out to make sure the sound quality is really good.、Um, Now we've done, we've talked about a few things, and、um, let me just ask. So when some people,、uh, if this is something you can't answer,、uh-huh. please do. If not, just tell me, Dwayne. I can't answer that. So、uh, you know, typically, you know, people get you know the flu shot every year. You know, they say.、Uh, so if people in the medical industry,、um, if this thing just kind of came out of nowhere, what are the time? What's the timetable for a so-called vac- vaccination or? You know, some type of—I don't even know if "cure" is the right word to use. So I think you have to think of this in kind of a tiered way in terms of the way this is being approached. I think the vaccine question is the most common one, and for that,、um, it's definitely probably the farthest from my expertise. Where I have to refer to Dr. Fauci and some of the experts out there who consistently seem to say we're looking at 12 to 18 months at least, because you have to go through trials and things like that to make sure what you're doing is actually safe and not going to harm the patients. Or the people more than it's going to benefit them. So I think vaccines are going to be a slightly longer-term solution. In the short term, there are a lot of potentially promising therapies out there that people are looking at in terms of medications that can be taken for treatment, as well as same way as when we were looking at Ebola in several parts of West Africa, there was serum from survivors of the disease that was able to be used in different ways as well. 
Um, and those are probably the most promising therapies, but even those to be able to get the data out there to know for sure if something is effective, you're probably looking at a good month or two out there. And the biggest reason for that to emphasize is because I know there's been a lot about hoarding different medications, things like that, including physicians who are doing it as well. The reality is that a lot of medications that we use out there have side effects. Um, some of them are minor and can be tolerated, but others can be significant that you want to make sure that what you're proposing as a solution is actually an effective solution and not just one that could potentially endanger people more. So as much as I myself being at the front lines, I'm impatient about finding out what's going to work best. We have to be a little bit patient in this. And that's the biggest frustration, I think. And it, it's yeah. challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's so many um, of your colleagues like yourself who are on the front lines whom are seeing things that, you know, um, the people just cannot possibly fathom. And, um, you know, I, I have friends who have been affected by this. Um, we have a family friend um, whose dad is uh, right now, I believe, in critical condition or in ICU. <clears throat> so it's, you know, it's really hitting home probably in most families around the world. Um, you know, they're saying some people are like stuck on cruise ships and things like that. Um, and this is just a global, global situation where where we can all relate to one another in some way, shape or form. Um, so you being in the front lines as you do and all your colleagues, what are you all doing to, to just to stay mentally strong? Um, you know, some people are seeing, you know, death at, 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 a, at a massive, massive level right now. So how are some of you and, um, and your colleagues really dealing with that aspect? So I think one of the things that's in emergency medicine in the field, and in the field of, we're lucky is that, well, lucky is not the best word, but we're exposed to all the time in our career is death and dying and terrible situations, whether it's a young teenager who suffered a gunshot wound or someone who's older with a stroke or whatever else. And those situations were able to compartmentalize very well because there's an otherness to it. It's not me who's going through it. What makes this situation especially challenging is not only are you seeing patients at a larger number that are getting sicker and um, potentially dying as well, but now there's the fear in the healthcare worker of their own safety as well. So typically when I work in the emergency department, I'm not sitting there fearing for my own life in a sense. Now, on the other hand, every single person in the hospital is feeling it at different levels. And we all feel it and process this differently, I think. And it's how to balance that is what becomes really important. And I think you see a variety of ways people do it. For the most part, what we find, those of us in emergency medicine, this is what we've been kind of trained for in some ways. And so we're able to still continue doing what we're doing while prioritizing our own safety as well, whether that means being extra careful with hand washing, putting on the right masks, putting on the right PPE, the protect, personal protective equipment. All of those things are things that you can do. At a subconscious level, is there a certain amount of acceptance of the fact that no different than the rest of the population out there? I think some of the numbers I read are talking about over the next six, eight months, how 70, 80% of our population will eventually be infected with by COVID-19, not necessarily in a catastrophic way. And the healthcare population is no different. Uh, but really what we do is prepare with the best equipment we can 
take care of ourselves with and being intentional in what we're doing. So if someone comes in very critical, it's taking a pause for those few extra seconds to make sure you're doing the right thing for this patient by protecting yourself and protecting them as well. So really being intentional in everything yes. we're doing is probably the way that we're staying somewhat sane in that. Yeah. And supporting yeah, each other's community, of course. Um, so that's a big part of what we do. Yes, definitely. Yes. And have you been called out to any other hospitals at all? Or are you specifically No, so I'm just at the University of Newark. Okay, okay, great, great, great. Um, and do you, ha- do you have a lot of friends who um, are working um, I have in the a few city? friends that are in New York City itself and other professional colleagues as well. Several of them were in the city as well, yep. And they're definitely bearing yeah, the brunt yeah. of this right now by the sounds of it. So it's a, it's a challenging situation because I think a lot of hospitals, you know, depending on where you work, resources are, are variable. And, you know, we're not a nationalized health system. And so every hospital doesn't have the same of everything. And I think that variation is becoming a little bit more challenging right uh, now as well. So experiences are very different from hospital to hospital. Right, because some of the hospitals are already equipped with, you know, maybe 50 or 60 ventilators. Others have zero. Others are waiting um, in line for them. Some are saying, uh, hey, we we have this many now. So when our levels go down, maybe we could send them here, right? All that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's so humbling. You know, uh, doing what I do is nothing compared to, you know, what you all are doing and sacrificing for the entire community and for humankind and you sir are a blessing to the world you are a gift to the world i thank you so much for just giving me a few minutes of your time i know that you are very very busy but i just wanted the good people out there to hear uh, from a medical professional just a few things that we could possibly do in order to uh, keep ourselves safe to keep our family safe to uh, approach this time and try to have some clarity for ourselves and our family and taking care of ourselves mentally. What I try to do on this podcast is bring you all inspirational and motivational things in order for us to be able to make it through even uh, a time such as this, because this life is so unpredictable. And just two weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, all of our lives were completely different. So my hope and my desire in this time, in this podcast, with other things that I'm going to try to bring to you all, is to try to, you know, uplift your spirit, uplift your soul, upset, uh, you know, uplift your mindset so that, you know, we can believe that we can all come out of this stronger, better as, as humans. That maybe we can all relate to each other a little bit better. Maybe we can talk to each other a little bit more kind. Maybe this whole racism situation, maybe this whole thing will change. Maybe there's a greater lesson that humankind just needs to learn. And maybe we can all come out of this a little bit better. So good people, I want you to hold tight to your families. Give them a hug. Give your kids a hug. Tell your spouse you love them. Tell your wife, your husband you love them. you know, maybe spend some time making a meal together, Uh, maybe have a family night movie, maybe play some games, do things to engage the entire family. Uh, I want to thank Harsha again. Thank you so much for your time. This is an amazing gift to the people. I hope that they got some great, valuable information from you, sir. Thank you. So good people, time is ticking. Time is ticking. What are we going to do? Yes, we cannot create for 16 to 20 hours a day, but you can do something. 
you can do something. You can call somebody. You can encourage them. You can write your book that you've never written. You can sing your song that you've never sung. Do something to make a difference in this time so that nobody can say, look, I, I, I just lived and died. Nobody wants to do that. Somebody wants to be impactful here, and you have the opportunity to do it. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you so much, Ian Harsh. You minimize what you're doing. I think the sense of community that you're building and what's important in this is critical. While the front lines do matter, I think if there's one lesson to take out of this is how interdependent we are. And so I can only ask for everyone out there to just support each other, support the people around you in this time of need. You see there? I believe you're going to have your own podcast, <laughs> sir. It's coming. It's coming. Thank you. <laughs> it's coming. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much, good people. If you choose to subscribe to this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Send it out. Send it out. Send it out. We'll talk to you later.